everybody welcome to another edition of the vp podcast i am your host the founder and the vessel of the vision project tanner copernall directed by our lord and savior jesus christ thank you so much for being here your presence is your support and so i just want to thank you for being here for being present on this podcast it's another testimony tuesday and man i am excited and thrilled for the opportunity that i have here with Trey Van Camp, somebody that I've been watching from afar, which I know kind of sounds creepy, but hey, he's a YouTuber, and that's actually how I found him. I was looking up uh, videos of Disneyland, and he popped up, and I thought, man, this guy oddly seems like a Christian. <laughs> he he just seems like he loves Jesus. He has the light that exudes from him, and so I looked at his YouTube channel, and I found out that he was a pastor, a church planter, and a father at the of, at the time of one, and uh, it's just been so cool to watch his family grow. Uh, it just makes you feel like you're a part of it, and just seeing how God has given the Van Camp family just an incredible, immense amount of growth, of strength, and uh, man, I just want to remind you guys that what we're going over in Testimony Tuesdays in this season right now is the subject of loss and it's a really touchy and sensitive subject for all of us it's a difficult subject for us to deal with and to go through and all of that and i know for me i've lost you know a couple of people recently and so even thinking about loss uh, we know that it is sensitive it is tender it is difficult to think about but hey, we are here to discuss how we can see the hope of Christ in the midst of these impossible situations and in situations that seems so difficult and so trying. And uh, I just I'm excited for Trey to share this testimony because I know that it's going to touch all of our hearts. So thank you so much for being here. Let's hit that new intro. Here we go. Welcome to Testimony Tuesday with the Vision Project. In these episodes, we bring in guests to showcase the hope of Christ through impossible stories. Our hope here at the Vision Project is for you to experience encouragement, hope, and transformation through these incredible testimonies. We hope you enjoy this episode and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Man, this is so exciting. I am so thrilled to have a brother in Christ far, far away in the land of Arizona. 
uh trey van camp how you doing trey ah man i'm doing well today yeah it's a beautiful day this is the time to live in arizona it's like only (laughs) 55 degrees i was just in kansas city last week with six degree weather so i was like wow arizona truly is incredible yeah praise god I am. I am in California. <laughs> See, everyone's leaving there to come here. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, Arizona's the best. <laughs> Trying to convert me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I, I will. I will be moving to Florida here in two weeks. So when you go no to way. yeah, when you go to Disney World, you know, you're just gonna come and and live with us for a couple of weeks. Then <laughs> is it Orlando too? Uh, no, we'll be in Jacksonville. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sweet. There we go. A little bit. Yeah. There's some, uh, some information for the audience, but, uh, yeah. Trey, tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministries, your family life. Who is Trey Van Camp? Who are you? I'm still on that quest to figure that out, but (laughs) I will uh, tell you what I do know. Yeah. Mm. So born and raised here in Arizona, as we just established, um, I'm actually a fourth generation pastor. So Mm. I like to tell people I I grew up super normal because my dad was, uh, he owned his own concrete company until, he actually still does, but he did that full time until I was 12. And then mm. he got the whole family together one night and it was a shock of a lifetime. I was already going through, you know, the beginning stages of puberty. So life wasn't fun anyways. <laughs> and then he said, Hey, um, the Lord's calling me to start a new church. And especially mm. back in Oh three Oh four, mm. you know, planting churches wasn't really people, people didn't talk about it like they do today. So mm. we were like, what does that even mean? And so I am pretty sure, you know, in today's terms, like if you plant a church, you have like a two-year process of assessments and trainings and all this different stuff. Uh, For my dad, it was, okay, in one month, we're going to start at this school nearby. And so that's what we did. So Easter Sunday, we launched uh, HeartCry Church in 2004 and it was a big huge sign that said free pancakes in church and that was the start of the church and it's really quite funny but now they're doing really well today Mm. um have their own building and um god's been so providential but that's a huge part of my life and but when we started the church my dad when he got the family together he said i want you guys each of you in the family there's five of us uh including my mom and him so i got two sisters they said i want you to pray and ask god for your spiritual gift so i had been saved since i was five so Mm. You know, I, the Holy Spirit dwelt within me, but I wasn't sure what my gift was. Mm. And so um, prayed for it. I really did every morning, every night. And about a year later, I was at a Discipleship Now conference. The pastor was preaching on First Kings 18, uh, talking about uh, Mount Carmel and, mm. and, and bringing the fire down, which is so fun. I've been able to go there myself, which was a really powerful moment. Mm. Um, but I realized uh, the Lord was calling me to ministry to be one who would stand up in a generation that would be tempted to bow down to bell and so um yeah ever since i was 13 i knew that i was going to be in pastoral ministry and um Mm. it's just kind of funny i'm a fourth generation but none of us have ever told the other you know to do it in fact if you're a pastor's kid you kind of know like you got to be called into it because it's a rough it's a rough gig for the whole family Mm. but yeah so at 13 i started to study and my dad started to show me the ins and outs of ministry by 16 i was licensed to preach i started preaching at different, you know, conferences, and they let me do way too much. It's, I still can't believe it. Uh, but I got a lot of reps in, you know. So I was mm. 17. I started my own ministry. Once a month, we would have high school students come to our performing arts center at our high school. We baptized 30 kids that my senior year. It was really cool um, opportunity. Again, I look at it now, and I'm so embarrassed when I hear my sermons. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> but the Lord used it. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. 
fast forward real quick with the uh, college really helped solidify my theology, mm. um, really helped me a ton become the person who I am. I have friends that I still have today that I made then that really formed who I am as a man. All the while, uh, I was dating my, my now wife, but we met uh, in junior high and we started dating junior year of high school. And uh, so we actually got married between the summer of junior and senior year. So we were that that couple that was married while still in college so that was fun um (laughs) but yeah yeah so then i actually again another part of my story is i graduated from college and the big question was what's next so i was Mm. a youth pastor at a church in san diego which was a far drive from riverside where i was it was 88 miles one way so i was like okay is the lord calling me to be full-time here as as a youth pastor for a while or Mm. what is he doing and then i had an opportunity i got presented from saddleback church um Rick Warren, um, wow. I I was under the, the running to be his assistant. So like wherever he traveled, I had the opportunity to travel with him, mm. help him with sermon prep, but mainly like help him with flight schedules and meeting presidents of countries and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I don't know how my name was brought up. I think it's from CBU. Um, and so I thought, wow, what a cool opportunity to get to know and meet people like that. So it went down, I think, to me and one other person. And then we found out that uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child. Mm. And um, they had pretty much told us, like, when Rick is awake, you're awake. When Rick is asleep, you're awake. Mm. Uh, And I would be traveling at least 30 weeks out of the year. And it was just a lot of stuff that would not be good uh, for newlyweds, let alone uh, new parents. So that kind of made me go, okay, God, uh, I don't think this is it. And so me and my wife sat down and was like, what is the Lord calling us to do? And I was like, honestly, I, I think in my heart of hearts, even though it doesn't make sense financially, it doesn't make sense in any direction. I think I'm called to plant a church, go back home and plant a church. So mm. that's what we did. Went back home, uh, was under my dad uh, for a couple of years, uh, being his associate pastor, getting my launch team together. And then we launched January 10th, 2016. We met in a movie mm. theater and uh, we had uh, 10 baptisms that first Sunday. And we started. And so God's been really good to us. It's been a huge journey for every pastor. The last two years has been really hard. Um, We obviously got kicked out of our location at the theater. It's a bummer because we had a lot of momentum Mm. right before COVID started. And so kind of getting, that was a big kick in the gut. Um, But God's been good to us. But a big part of my story too, which is how we connected, is um, about eight months. Is this too much, by the way? No. Is this what you want? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I can talk forever. I'm a no, keep going, okay, man. I love it. I love it. Let's do this, okay, man. Good. About eight months into our church plant, I finally decided to check out YouTube. Honestly, I um, thought YouTube was just for cat videos. I'm extremely, <laughs> I, I don't know how to put this. I'm a, I, I pride myself in being a productive person. Mm. I love to do a lot of input that is healthy, that is I'm learning something, and then giving output mm. that contributes to the world. And so I thought YouTube didn't help with input or output. So yeah. I never touched it. Um, but then I actually, this is actually, I realized the other day how it happened. I was on Facebook and I saw an ad for Gary V. He had an ad about something about using online, you know, his whole spiel. Yep. So this is back in 2016 with barely anybody really knew about Gary V. I think when I followed him on YouTube, he had 20,000 subscribers. So mm. he's at like 5 million now. But so I saw that and I was like, this is interesting. And so I clicked on his YouTube channel and I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting content. I've never seen anything like this. Mm. Well, then the first video I watched of his was an Ask Gary V show with Casey Neistat. Yeah. And I thought, who is, who's Casey Neistat? I've never heard of this guy before. 
And so uh, by that point, he had been vlogging for a year and a half, but I didn't know. So all of a sudden, I went on his channel, and I became obsessed with this thing called vlogging. I'd never heard of it, never seen it, and I thought it was incredible. So this was October of 2016. Mm. I was like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. So then I bought a camera. And one month later, I started making my own vlogs because I thought our pastor's doing this. And from what I could tell, they weren't. Mm. Um, and so I just started to put stuff out there. So it's been a five-year journey of me uploading on YouTube. I've had many different iterations of the kind of content I produce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, all of it was inspired because I had no idea that there was people out there like Casey Neistat and Gary Vee. And I thought, hey, mm. I, for years to help my dad's church... I learned how to do Photoshop. I learned how to make websites. I learned how to make videos just because mm. I wanted our church to reach more people. And I knew as a millennial, hey, we have to do these certain things. And so I just took classes at my high school that taught me how to do a couple things like uh, graphic design. Mm. And then I figured out the rest on my own. And so I was like, I know how to make videos. I know how to edit and I know how to speak because I'm going to be a preacher for a living. So how can I combine <laughs> both? And so that's I got really excited about that and so mm. God's been good to me uh, you know in that endeavor been able to um yeah support my family a lot you know being a vocational pastor I don't you know my church uh I decided instead of me taking a, a comfy salary I'd rather spread the love so we have more of a team so we can grow further faster mm. and so I pour concrete on the side but also make YouTube videos on the side and it's turned out to be a pretty good side income for me met mm. some incredible people online and mm. people like you get to hang out with guys like you because so I decided awesome. to press record. So I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, exactly. You just got to hit record, man, and just go. And uh, it's led you to, to many different places. I mean, you've been on Ruslan yeah. with Ruslan and, and, and you've you've traveled across the country for this. I mean, that's just, it's so cool yeah, to I, see. I, I got to hang out with Casey Neistat. It's like, so like unbelievable. World. And that's that's one of the people that you're watching. You're like, huh? Who's, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's man. crazy how the Lord does that. I actually remember that story. It was about a year into me knowing about Casey. We were driving home from Disneyland, a Disneyland trip with my wife, and we had some this random conversation of, like, who in the world, like, if you can meet <laughs> one person right now, who would it be? And I was like, I've met all of my spiritual heroes. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I started listing a bunch of the guys. I was like, I've met them. Mm -hmm. and, and I've met all of my basketball heroes, you yeah. know, like I've met Michael Jordan a few times. He's the goat, by the way. I've met LeBron, oh, Kobe, yeah. Steve Nash, all those guys. And so I said, this is weird, but I'd, I'd love to meet, I'd, I'd love to meet Casey Neistat. And she's like, that's strange. <laughs> and literally that next week I got an invitation and everything was paid for to go to New York City and <laughs> hang out with him and 39 of his other best friends. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> so that was really cool. That's a good vlog. And uh, to my audience, it's definitely worth going and, and checking out. You know, it's what, two years ago now? Is that two years now? Three years? Oh, bro, no, I'm a has-been. I think it was like three and a half years ago oh at this my point. It was a gosh. while Gosh, time has been flying, man. I know, especially with COVID. I, I don't understand time at all anymore. No, it's it's unreal. Like, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. it's been cool from afar, and this is like the perspective of your YouTube ministry from, you know, one of your audience members here, and it's been really awesome to see the authentic heart of someone who is passionate for ministry and family. Like I've watched your family grow from afar. Like I, I sure. saw Faith when she was probably like one. Like it, it's just right. crazy. Like, and then now you have this tribe of yours, and uh, mm -hmm. and it's amazing. Like to see the amount of growth and the the efforts that you're still able to have. How for you have you been able to balance? 
you know, all of this, the YouTube life, the pastor life, the church planting life, the, the husband life, like, what does that look like for you? And how do you not get burnt out if you haven't? <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember it was right before COVID. I had a pastor that I really esteem highly because he's such a great preacher. He reached out to me and said, how do you do so much? I thought, I don't know. I just do it. I, mm. you know, I just, I don't really critique my work. I just put it out there and let the world critique it. Um, but it's funny because he said that and I was like, yeah, I got this, but man, this last year I've mm. slowed down a lot. Mm. Um, and part of it, it's, I, I joke, I'm about to turn 30. So I'm like, ah, you know, I got the dad bod now. I just, <laughs> I, you know, I can't do what I used to do. I'm not as good at basketball court like I used to be. So mm. I'm like adopting that old man mentality. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think, um, I don't, uh, so I felt like I was going at an unhealthy pace for a while. I really, the last couple years have really dabbled into the world of spiritual formation. So I've mm. really enjoyed authors like, um, Dallas Willard and, uh, Ruth Haley Barton and John Ortberg and Comer, uh, John, John Mark Comer and mm. Richard Foster and a bunch of these guys. And I realized like, oh man, so I, you know, the last few years I've really emphasized in my own life, my spiritual disciplines, my prayer life has increased, um, just a lot of these the fasting Sabbath thing. And so with that, it's actually caused me to slow down a lot mm. in my productivity and my output. Um, but I really felt like the Lord, uh, last year, uh, kind of led on my heart to try to take a sabbatical. And so, mm. um, at that point, our church was five and a half years old. And so I talked to a lot of people and they said, yeah, it's good every five years to take a sabbatical. And so, um, I took a four week sabbatical. I wish it was longer. I, I've heard people say like six weeks is probably best because it takes two weeks to wind down mm. two weeks. You actually enjoy. And then another two weeks to like ramp back up. Mm. And it's so true. So like the first two weeks in July, I was why I did a whole series on my, you know, I made a whole yep. uh, documentary series kind yep. of my, my need to take a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't film my sabbatical sabbatical because i was like that's the point is i need to get away from all this yeah um but yeah so for two weeks it just took me a while to wind down mm. and then for t the next two weeks which were the last two weeks i was in a genuine rhythm of rest and i really enjoyed it mm. but it was so hard to get back on the horse um, mm. and so i really struggled and so god actually led me across a, another pastor who had just taken a sabbatical as well and he encouraged me he goes i I haven't enjoyed sermon prep for like a month. Like it's been tough to get back into the rhythm. And mm. so another pastor reminded me, he said, Trey, you've been running a marathon for six years now. And so you finally had a chance to slow down. It's going to take a while to get back to that pace of life. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I've realized. And so I've really kind of um, given myself permission uh, not to, up, I mean, I used to just like think if I don't upload three times a week, YouTube will never, well, guess what? YouTube never promoted me anyways. I don't know why I was so obsessed with uploading three times a week just for them to never give me anything anyway. So, Lame. um, I was always terrified, you know, of like mm. slipping into irrelevance and I'm like, who cares? You mm. know? So my priorities are a lot different now. Mm. I enjoy making them and I really have some ideas for what I'm going to do in the future. But yeah, I just kind of realized like, Oh, certain things in life, aren't as great as they seemed. Uh, one book that's helped me a lot is Sacred Fire by Ronald Rohrheiser. If you're somebody who's in your late 20s, early 30s, that book would just rock your world. Mm. You realize that um, 
a lot of people say midlife crisis happens at 40 because i mean think of it like most of us die at 80 so yeah. mid would be 40 mm. but actually a lot of midlife crisis happen around 30 mm. and so i didn't know that so i didn't realize but this last year i've had a little bit of a midlife crisis but it's a good thing because i'm transitioning mm. um the way I live my life, my goals in life, they're different. And so another book that kind of talks about this too is Second Mountain um, by David Brooks. Uh, he talks about how the first mountain, you think life is all about success. And Thomas Merton says, a lot of us, we spend our whole life climbing the ladder of success only to find when we get to the top that it's leaning against the wrong wall. Mm. And so I've kind of noticed that hitting 30, getting close to it, a lot of the energies and priorities I've had in my life I it doesn't even matter if I was successful at it Mm. and so just kind of realizing that okay there's another mountain to climb and it's a mountain that's actually about other people like giving and and being generative and passing Mm. things on not getting your own name but just blessing other people and of course to the glory of God so a lot of that has really helped kind of rewire my priorities and so that's why I've really taken a break off some YouTube for a little bit now, uh, mm. I'm also writing a book, but I'm just like, yes. oh, like it's okay. I don't have to do that anymore. So I don't know, man. The last year, my life has been like I feel like I haven't been as productive as I used to be. Um, but Ecclesiastes three reminds us, right? Like for mm. everything, there's a season. There's a season to laugh. There's a season to cry. Mm. And I think for my family, this last season um, was a lot of crying. You know, yeah. and so yeah. I'm excited to maybe transition to a next season. And there's some mm. stuff in the works right now that I think. Uh, it's kind of promising that we will kind of enter that next season again of joy and, mm. and uh, kind of new redefined purpose. Um, mm. But yeah, so, you know, just trying to realize that my life's in God's hands. So um, I definitely don't want to be lazy. I don't want to waste my life, but I also don't want to force something if God doesn't want me to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned just for a little bit there um, about this season, about the season that you've endured recently um you know just recently and um we we at the vision project recently have been focusing on the subject of loss and i reached out to you because you had experienced and this was even before you know the recent loss but um you know i just want us to kind of have a conversation of here of you know your story of loss and um you know what you and your family endured in this past year um and what impact that had on you um would you be willing to share that with us yeah yeah um yeah so um what's kind of yeah i'm like which loss because i've had so many so 2019 the very end so this is before the world experienced a bunch of loss Mm. um in 2019 november like a lot of stuff came crashing down. So mm-hmm. for our church plant, at that point, we we're almost four years old. And um, I think my math's right. Yeah. And, and and the Lord seemed to, like, give us a perfect building and just put it in our lap. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, like, a 250-seat auditorium. It had two soccer fields. It had playgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on five acres. And it was only for $300,000, which is a wow. steal. It's, like, unbelievable. So I was like, oh, we're in. So, um I had met with the person who was going to sell it to us. Everything sounded great. So Friday we shook hands and said, okay, we'll see you on Monday. We'll sign the deal on Monday. And so, um, retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have done this, but on Sunday, you know, that Sunday I said, Hey guys, here's a picture of this land. Here's the opportunity we have before us. Um, we're going to sign the deal tomorrow, you know? And so let's start raising money for this and praise the Lord for how good he is and all this stuff. So Mm -hmm. we started a building campaign series and all that stuff. And, um, 
that Monday, they never showed up at the bank. And we called and called, and they didn't answer. And then we finally found out that they actually uh, – I don't even know if legally I'm allowed to share everything. But, <laughs> but essentially, <laughs> they gave it to another church that day instead wow. of us. Wow. Um, so we had no chance to you know, outbid, or I don't even know what happened. I think it was theologically. We were, we're Baptists, and I think they gave <laughs> to a more charismatic church because that's what uh, they used to be. Um, mm. So – Anyways, so that was a big loss. So I was just like, wow, like that sucks. Now I got to go back to my church and say, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) And so that hurt and that Mm. was tough. And I was like, Lord, why? You know, and so it actually kind of started me on this journey of like really not trusting when God tells me about something because it's like, God, you've done this before. And then it got taken out last second. So, yeah. Um, I've had to really process that with my spiritual director. But with that, um, that next like week, we were excited because we found out um, right around that time we had found out that we were pregnant again. So we were excited. Mm. And then um, I think a week after the, uh, the church building thing, we, Jordan has a miscarriage. All of a sudden things aren't going right. So we go to the doctor Mm. and uh, had a miscarriage in nine weeks. So that was a bummer. And so we were just really sad about that. Mm. And so we just had to process all of that together. And so as we're kind of processing it, all of a sudden, boom, the world shuts down. Right. So, um, so figuring all that out, I honestly, for the first few weeks enjoyed COVID because like I'm the cutting edge video pastor. So I was helping a ton of other churches and I was Mm. like, see guys, I'm built for this, you know, let me help you get going and so it was fun and then it wasn't mm. fun because i was like okay i miss everybody let's go back to reality yep. <laughs> little, little did we know we're still not in reality really yeah um yeah and um but with that so i have three girls three beautiful girls and i love mm. them so much and so we were like okay we had a miscarriage let's try maybe one more time um so my name is william trey lamar van camp the third Mm. Uh, which is a mouthful. And so I've always thought it'd be awesome to have a William Liam Lamar Van Camp the fourth. Mm. And so um, we're like, you know, Lord, that'd be so great just to carry on the name. Cause my grandpa only had one son. He had like six brothers and all of his brothers had girls. So wow. then it was just up to my dad to carry on the Van Camp name. And, and, you know, he had three kids, only one of them was a boy. So now it's just up to me. Mm. And so it's a big family, but it's a lot of girls. So Mm. it's a lot of other last names now. And so, um, yeah, we uh, tried again and, uh, you know, we're quote unquote successful. So we got excited. And so we actually took that that blood test that helps you see the gender ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so we then actually have this on my channel, but we find out that it's a boy. And so we're so pumped. And, you know, we we filmed that moment uh, when we found the email. And so we were so excited. Uh, but then the bummer, I mean, there's so many hard parts about the story, but so again, mm. this is our second miscarriage story, but this one's a little different. Cause like, um, you know, like it made it more real when we found out the gender, like we believe theologically, like, you know, both of them are always, you know, we lost two babies and mm. we knew, you know, like, but just the second time knowing the gender just made it a little bit harder and having it the second time, there's just something that it does to you, you psychologically, you know, it's not like just mm-hmm. a one-off. It's like, okay, this is a new reality for us. So anyway. Oh, I lost you, Trey. Are you there? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, my wife's birthday is December 22nd. And can you hear me? Yeah, 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 we're good. Okay, good. My wife's birthday is December 22nd, and uh, we go in to get our, you know, the scan and, and see the baby and hear the heartbeat, and they were like, okay, something's 
kind of off, but it might just be where the baby's positioned. It's okay. You know, mm. we'll schedule this for another time. So we're just a little bit in a worry because of our history. And then um, we got so excited for Christmas. That was going to be Christmas Day was our reveal. So we mm. made these jerseys, um, you know, that said Van Camp on the back. And mm. we're going to give our my parents like these little Air Jordans to show like, hey, we're having a boy. Mm. And then that morning she started to have her miscarriage. And so we mm. were just destroyed. And so Christmas mm. Day, we didn't want to bring anybody else down, but you know we're having to carry this as we're going to all of our different families' houses that you know we're we're probably we've lost our boy. So we didn't hand out the jerseys. We didn't do any of that because we're like, this is there's no way I th- we think he's gone. So and then um, January first, twenty twenty one, my wife is in the hospital. She lost a ton of blood mm. because of the COVID stuff there wasn't as many helpers or something anyway she called me and i'm not allowed down there because of covid protocols Mm. but she called me in the er and said nobody's listening to me i can't find anybody and i i i'm about to pass out i'm losing so much blood but nobody cares Mm. it was terrifying i mean it was like she really called me it was like those phone calls like i love you i might not ever see you again so i was freaking out this is at one in the morning so I was trying to find somebody to come to my house to watch my kids so I can go to the hospital. So I finally figured that out and go to the hospital. I just like, you know, cause a ruckus. I was not a very good pastor that day. Mm. And I was like, you need to check. I don't know where my wife is, but y'all have been ignoring her. She's screaming here on the phone. Nobody's answering her. So she almost died. Like she lost a ton of blood. Oh I had gosh. to give her like three bags of blood to help her. And, um, long story short, she survived, but the Mm. bummer from all of that. So like, of course the emotional toll, the physical toll. And by me going down to the hospital, I had, I got COVID from being there. So the next two weeks I was down, um, pretty bad with it. (laughs) We were just like, Lord, you know, like, (laughs) can we just get a break? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just been a lot. You know, all the while, though, just fighting to believe in the goodness of God, fighting yeah. to find joy, like, hey, praise the Lord, we have um, we have three girls that are healthy and are beautiful. And so with that, this is the last part of the story, I suppose, um, mm. we just kind of got back together, and I, and I was like, I don't want you to go through that suffering again. And so we prayed and processed and thought, should we try to have another one or are we done? You know, so the last Mm. two were unsuccessful, especially the last one really put my wife's health in jeopardy. Mm. So we realized, okay, our family's full, it's done. And so we had, um, we made that decision. And so I went and got the procedure to make sure that we're done. And then you're with Mm. that procedure. uh, You're supposed to be good after two days. Well, of course, with our running luck, it took seven weeks for me to walk normal and to go back to reality again. So I went from COVID to feeling good to getting the surgery. And then for six weeks, I was on the couch. Finally, the seventh week, I was able to walk. Oh it was gosh. terrible. Gosh. I was like, come on, Lord. You know, so it was a lot. And that's the most awkward thing when you have that procedure. What's wrong with you? Don't worry about it. I just can't walk. You know? so it was just <laughs> terrible. So I went yeah. to the doctor again, and they're like, sorry, you're the one – percent of the one percent to have this kind of reaction so oh i was like joy gosh. 
you know, and so actually, there's a couple pastors reach out to me during that time that said they had a really bad procedure of their vasectomy as well. Mm. And so I kind of, I'm vocal about things. So I, I kind of told everybody on Instagram, like, hey, this sucks, you know? Mm. And so I have a ton of my friends that uh, will never get a vasectomy now. And I have another <laughs> friend, he just had another baby and he wasn't, he was supposed to get a vasectomy. And then because of me, he canceled it and then he got <laughs> pregnant again. So it's kind of funny. Um, mm. Yeah, so I am not the poster child. Uh, for people who want to hear about success stories of, <laughs> of doing that kind of surgery. Proceed- I call it surgery. It's just a procedure, but it felt like surgery. Yeah. So yeah. That's probably TMI, but that's kind of my MO. I kind of go overboard and share a little too much. Hey, so. that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm there with you, man. Uh, we get personal here on the Vision Project. So. That's right. Um, but hey, during that time, you know, it seems like time after time, you're struggling with, you know, a, a moment after moment, there's something wrong that happens. There's something bad that happens. There's something that goes against your will and what you, you know, your expectations and everything. As a man of God, someone that is faithful to God, someone that understands that God is faithful to us and for us, how do you deal with a life like that where it seems like every single moment, every single time I turn, there's another thing that's staring me in the face that I don't want to deal with. Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful that the Lord had, um, had kind of really shown me the beauties of the spiritual disciplines and brought me through with my mentor, spiritual director, Tom Ashbrook, the Ignatius exercises. Like the Lord had prepared me the year prior in, in like beginning of 19, early 2018. Um, of like the joys of silence with God and Mm. uh, really realizing that presence is more important than progress. Yeah. So that whole, like with Moses, you know, he was like, God, you're not going to go with us. We're not going to go. And Mm. um, so I had been preaching that for a while and believing that. And then I had to live it. Um, At the end of the day, man, you can give me all, you know, I don't want to gain the whole world, but lose my soul, Mm. that kind of thing. Like, yeah. Um, we definitely in the middle of all of that physical misery, emotional misery, um, there was still a lot of spiritual joy, uh, every day, just kind of finding God in the scriptures, him comforting me, Mm. the community of God's people reaching out saying, I've been there. We love you. Um, so like when I look back at it now, it's created it, you know, I really think my, uh, the Orthodox Christians, they call it theosis. It's this process. Mm where really the purpose of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus. Yep. And so, um, man, the last two years has done more to mold me into his image than the whole other 27 before, you Mm. know? So like, it's kind of that whole, like, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, but goodness gracious, I'm so grateful it happened. Mm. Um, I'm also hoping it stops. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because the last two months, it's kind of transitioned now to where just my church family has gone through it. So pastoring has been hard. We've mm-hmm. had a 23 year old who died in a motorcycle accident. We oh had my gosh. a uh, 55, two, two guys in their fifties dying from COVID. So now we have young widows in our church, and, um, domestic violence cases and all like, it's just been like it's crazy what we've had to go through as pastor, you know, in the pastoral side where now my people are suffering, but in many mm-hmm. ways I've been prepared cause I, you know, I wouldn't compare my suffering with theirs. It seems like all of theirs has been worse than mine, but I, I'm acquainted with suffering, you know? And so my first instinct isn't to say, 
you know, God, you know, the best is yet to come and all of those cliches that I think are overrated. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm with you. I'm here to listen. We love you, you know, um, and just know that like in our suffering, God is here among us. And in really many ways, God is so sad as well. You know, the, this isn't how the world was supposed to be. Mm. So I'm uh, really grateful for that. But um, I don't know if I answered your question. But yeah, God, yeah. God's presence has been with us. And I've really mm. grown as a man a lot more the last couple of years. And really kind of like I said earlier, it really has changed my priorities in life, priorities in ministry, what I need to be spending my time on. Um, so that's helped a ton. Mm, definitely. Was there was there a moment for you, like in the process of processing, like processing all the loss, all the the struggles? Where is there like a specific moment for you that you remember where it like hit you, like oh, the presence of God is here with me? There was like this comforting moment for you. Um, I would, I would say that kind of almost happened every day. Mm. I don't really have a moment. It was just a drip, one drip at a time. It, it was these principles. I had learned that lesson before all the suffering ever knocked mm. on my door. So I just held on to that truth. Yeah. I didn't mm. have like some magical moment, but I would have a bunch of miniature little moments in the scriptures where I felt seen and heard and loved mm. and cared for. But yeah, I can't point to one specific text or one specific day sure yeah that's fair Which enough i think is encouraging for people i think you know at us in american evangelicalism we really put a lot of emphasis on that one moment mm. um because it makes for a powerful testimonial video it's exciting um mm. but like i actually think most of us it is just this long obedience in the same direction yeah to quote eugene peterson so i i mm. think um, I enjoy highlighting those one-time moments, but I also really enjoy those stories because it's more of reality mm-hmm. of, uh, yeah, just one drip at a time. And all of a sudden you wake up and you look back and you go, wow, I've really grown or wow, God has really been with me. Mm. But it wasn't this really emotional experience. It was just a slow process. Mm. It's a process. You got to trust the process going through this season and uh, dealing with the process of grieving and uh, the process of even just being there, you know, as a husband, like for you, how, how did you find yourself comforting your family, like comforting your wife, being there for her? Cause I'm sure for her, it was a long process of thinking like, why did this happen to me? This was my body. It was, my body that went through it, you know, how for you as a husband, and this is for all the husbands out there, you know, how did you comfort your wife the best possible way without, you know, being stereotypical, if that makes sense? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm really grateful that my wife has a really vibrant relationship with Jesus herself. Mm. And so, um, I didn't have to preach scripture at her. I didn't have to mm. um, encourage her to open her Bible. That was already happening. So we have a, a pretty rigid morning routine where we get up at five because the kids aren't awake yet. So it's the first two and a half hours. We don't. We actually do this all separately. But mm. we have uh, Bible reading time. We read something from a book and we have prayer and prayer walks. Mm. So um, yeah, like a lot of that kind of I. I took off my pastor hat i didn't have to pastor her i was just her husband mm. so i was in, i made sure i don't know if i did it perfectly um but you know like i was always a sounding board like hey you know 
what is what are you processing do you want to talk about it are you, are you not ready and there's mm-hmm. a lot of times where she's like i'm not ready it's like okay cool um, but then also we did fun stuff, you know, like we made sure to still find sunshine in the middle of the storm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we scheduled Disney world trips. So we went a couple times last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like, we, we, it was really a godsend <laughs> both of those times. The crazy part is the first time we went, I just felt like we just had to go like, and so it was like a, a Wednesday and I was like, Jordan, what if we go to Disney world on Monday? <laughs> and she's like let's do it so we looked up flights and we picked the most ghetto airline ever (laughs) but still made it there and all that and so it was honestly like not the best financial decision but i felt like this is just what we have to do Mm. and so we took off and we did and it was a great it was a glorious week it was in august and so nobody uh, by the way florida in august is the worst ever we didn't really know that so Mm -hmm. we were miserable but the beautiful thing is nobody was at the parks and so we just walked on to every ride it's incredible but very, very hot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so um, we had gotten home and there was a check in the mail. And the funny thing is, is the check came into the mail the morning we left. I just don't check the mail, you know, when I'm about yep. to leave to the airport. Yeah. But it's literally, it was this lady who I'd ministered to a few years back and she sent us a check and it was, I'm not, I kid you not, the exact amount for the whole Disney World trip we just took. Oh my gosh. And it, she had no idea. We didn't tell anybody. Um, and so the, I was like, thank you, Lord. Like, this was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Now we're coming back. It didn't even affect us at all financially. Um, wow. So we were like, that's incredible. And then the funny one is the second time we went, we got those Biden bucks right when we got home from. <laughs> that was the first time that Biden was setting up those those checks for your kids. Or yep, so I was yep. like, we're winning. Look at this. <laughs> like, when we go to Disney World, we come back with more money. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> it's a sign. <laughs> yeah, so you know, just trying to find those fun moments together mm. um, has been really critical. Critical, and then Sabbathing every Saturday, just enjoying our our you know um, our routine breakfast together, mm. and maybe go to the park with the kids or just do something enjoyable. So mm. those little things help a ton. But shout out to Mickey, helped us a lot. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, definitely. So, man, I, I just want to thank you for coming on, sharing, and uh, being just real authentic raw every little detail <laughs> and yeah. uh being personal that's what it's about man but um yeah i just i want to thank you for being here for sharing this testimony and uh for for my audience members i just i hope that it encouraged you guys and um trey any last words any final you know encouragements for people that are struggling with loss themselves oh man that's great um I would say one book, if you know me, I'm a book guy. Yeah, you are. So one, one book that helped me a lot was Prayer in the Night. Okay. Um, last name is Warren. Mm. Uh, she wrote an incredible book. Uh, I think her name's Tish Harrison Warren. Uh, but she wrote a great book on loss. And so that was really helpful uh, for me to process the loss by reading her book. It's actually her experience as a miscarriage as well. Oh, wow. Um, and so that book was really good for me. Um, so yeah, I would encourage people if you're struggling, a great way to process that grief is she kind of gives a lot of good pointers and, Mm. um, doesn't act like everybody's grief is different. That's the other thing. Um, there is no expiration date on grief and every grief, uh, like the worst thing to do is to compare your grief to other people and compare your tragedies to others. Like Uh we all have our own thing and, and so, um, you can't be like, Oh, well, mine's worse. Cause you know, that don't, don't compare, um, Mm. Yeah, and just keep running to Jesus. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Keep running to Jesus. I love it, man. Jesus is better. Yes. I was gonna I was gonna say you gotta say your slogan, man. Jesus is better. <laughs> well slogans are broken, so <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Will will we be able to see that coming out soon? Is that something that we can look forward to and plug real quick? My book? Yeah. Yeah, so it's no longer slogans are broken. I'm writing a new book. So I had to write that book in order to write the real book. Oh, that's right. That's I'm right. That's right. I'm keeping the title under wraps because I learned my lesson that I shared too much <laughs> too soon. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I would love if your people can connect with me on Instagram and YouTube, just Trey Vankia. Um, it's coming soon, man. In fact, I think I'm going to make a video. This is first. Yeah, I haven't told anybody this, but I'm probably going to make a video uh, or a series, a documentary series. I have 10 days to write my book. So I wow. think I'm going to do... A video every day of me saying, okay, I got to finish this stupid book So, <laughs> and see if I can finish it in 10 days. We'll see. Nice. Be look like, look forward to that. People look Trey up right now. Trey Van Camp. You can look him up on Instagram. You can see him on YouTube. He's out there, man. Check him out. Plug, plug, plug all the way, man. Oh. Uh, yes. Go check him out. Check out his YouTube channel content. It's awesome. It's real. It's authentic. And uh, I really appreciate your content, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Trey. See you later. Grace and peace. Awesome to have Trey on the show and man I, I'm so blessed that he was willing to come on here he's been on you know larger podcast platforms like Ruslan like I said earlier and I feel so honored and blessed that he was willing to come on here and share his testimony share his story share his ministry again check out his social media pages I'll link all of the stuff down in the show notes so check that out but thank you guys for joining us here in this episode. If you liked it, please share it. Like, subscribe to The Vision Project. We're trying to grow this ministry so that Jesus may be known. And especially with things like this, like Testimony Tuesdays, where Trey himself was talking about there was you know time after time after time after time where there was a struggle and there was difficulty and there was hardship. And it seemed like every single corner that he was turning to, there was difficulty and Man, I just appreciate someone that is like that who is in the ministry, is involved, planted his own church, and loves and thrives for Jesus to come on here and to share the authentic life of a Christian. Because I think oftentimes we put a mask over our face. We put, a, we put this fake facade over our lives saying that we have it all, that we have it perfect, and what we do and what we experience is perfect. We, we often live like our Instagram pages where we put out this highlight reel of our life and we only put ourselves out there if it's aesthetic. And I want us to veer far away from that because it's dangerous. And you look at somebody like Trey who creates content, who is bigger on YouTube, bigger on Instagram, and he is somebody who will keep it real with you. 
I'm exhausted. I'm drained. I am tired. I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with this. This is the authentic Christian life. When we are trying to create for the creator, when we are trying to do these things for Jesus, are we putting a fake facade over ourselves or are we living an authentic life? We don't need to see people's highlight reels. We don't need to see people's successes. We need to often grow with one another, experiencing the struggles of this life with one another so that we may sharpen one another. Because the only way that we sharpen one another is if we realize the dullness in our lives. So again, I want to thank Trey for coming on here. He's somebody that has inspired me and especially for me, you know, becoming a girl dad. He is somebody that I have been inspired by. And I just want to thank Trey so much again and again and again. I'm thrilled. Like guys, I'm fangirling right now. (laughs) Trey is somebody that I've been wanting to meet for a long time and see in person and everything. But the fact that we've, you know, had this brotherhood over youtube and over you know content creation and everything has been so incredible so thank you trey for being here for being present thank you guys for joining us here and again please go ahead like subscribe support the vision project so we can make more content like this be looking forward to the future series that we have on self-control coming soon to the podcast we will see you guys in the next episode see ya